This is NRL Boom Rookies. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Boom Rookies. I am Matt Bungard and joining me at this time, Nick Campton. Hello. Here comes another one, just like the other one. Exactly. And we are joined by uh, Cumberland Throw, uh, I guess what would you call it, a jack of all trades, uh, diehard Eels fan. Empresario. Empresario, yep. Uh, Mitch Clark, welcome. Hello gentlemen, hello listeners, hello world. Uh, Mates, I mean, not the best way to end a season last year, it must be said. Um, oh, I've had, I don't know if I've had too many better endings to the season, if I'm honest. That's how depressing um, life as an Eels fan is. Uh, we sort of take a grand final loss and prod off into the off season feeling pretty good about ourselves. So, um, look, apparently there have been better endings to a season. Um, I was two last time it occurred. So, look, as far as endings to a season go, I look, I got a bit. You know, sad at the end, sitting there watching Penrith celebrate just another grand final victory and us not having anything. But yeah, look, I think there's a lot of optimism about Parramatta fans that um normally we turning on each other and sort of yelling <laughs> whose fault it is. So yeah, you know, well, there's been worse. Campo, you were also two the last time your team won a grand final. Would you like to console Mitch? Um, yeah, life hurts and it never gets better. Well, I got to tell you guys, it's pretty great to win one. <laughs> It's pretty, pretty yeah. damn good. It's pretty yeah, good. Um, yeah. you, I don't know. You might win it this year. Who the fuck knows? No one knows. But we are here to talk all things Parramatta Eels. And it's been a, I mean, the, the offs, I mean, how sick are you of hearing stories about Mitch Moses' contract? The season hasn't even started yet. And this, it's just been like a constant news story basically since last season ended. I normally don't get really edgy about signing stories. And with that said, I'm, I'm still relatively confident that he's going to extend, particularly comments that he's made recently. But, there's so much that sits on Mitch Moses' shoulders for the next couple of years um, of what we do and sort of like we have one really great half locked in. I'd like to lock in another really great half. Um, I don't think he's the best halfback in the NRL, but I reckon he's right up there and that's the sort of spine combination that could finally get us over the mountain. Um, Yeah, I'm, I'm getting a bit annoyed that he hasn't put pen to paper, but apparently... All and sundry are saying it's one way or the other before round one. Yeah, I mean, and look, let's not even bother entertaining hypotheticals of what's going to happen in the future. We all know how bad that would be. Let's just talk about the present. And whilst you do have Mitch Moses, you no longer have Reed Marnie. He has been replaced by uh, one of Nick Campton's former flames, Josh Hodgson, who looks absolutely ripped. And based on his arms alone, Nick, uh, I'm backing him to be 200% as effective as Reed Marnie was. Bro, he's fucking jacked. Like he's been looks bench huge. pressing Razorbacks, man. He looks mm. absolutely enormous. But like the thing is, he looks like you know he's really jacked up, whatever that. But when you see him in person as well, he's actually looking a little bit lighter, a little bit fitter than he has in the past. I I, I had a story um I had a story on him uh be a week ago or so now when this whenever this airs. But he sort of said that having nearly a full year off with this knee with this knee thing, it's given him the time to really, really lock in and really get fit in a way that he wasn't able to with his previous knee reconstructions. He felt like he was racing to get back on the field and he wasn't able to sort of get his body in the best shape that it could be, you know? And he, say, he says he feels better than he has in years. Like, And of course he's going to say those things, but when you see him and how he's looking, I I kind of believe it. It's, it's funny with Hodgson. Like I'm always going to root for him. I always want him to do well. Like he's one of my favorite Raiders ever, but when I heard he signed with Parramatta, I did have a little bit of pause because I wasn't sure how he would fit together stylistically with Moses. 
because they're both very dominant players, right? Like Moses touches the ball a lot. He's the one that's in charge. And Hodgson likes to play that way as well. Hodgson likes to be, you know, the man leading the team around the park. I know that some of the halfbacks that Hodgson's played with over the years did get very frustrated by that style. Like every Raiders fan will know that there were times when they'd have a big back line set to the left, Aiden Caesar's ready to get the ball, and Hodgson would duck down the right and Caesar would throw his arms in the air. Like that happened a lot. So I wasn't sure how they were going to gel together, especially considering how well Moses worked with Reed Marnie when Marnie was really, really good at like just not ever overplaying his hand in the playmaking stakes. But the more I think about it, the more I think it might be able to work. And I think the reason it'll be able to work is because Hodgson came to Canberra and there wasn't much there and it all kind of got built around him and what he did well. This time he's coming into a team that's pretty much fully formed. Like he's the cherry on top with this one. So I think if he's, if he's going in there with a really clear idea of what his role in the team is going to be, and that's as the secondary guy to Moses, then I think it can, it can still work because Hodgson still has the skill to sort of really make it in the NRL. I think he's actually, he's a more skillful player than Marnie. I think he's got a better kicking game and all that. So it sort of gives them an even better option out of dummy half. So I'm talking myself into it, which was probably always going to happen given it's just Josh Hodgson, but Mitch, given that you're a little bit more objective about this stuff because you're not in love with Josh Hodgson, how do you sort of see it playing out? I'm not in love with him yet. Um, I think I think maybe Josh Hodgson will look from the ruck to the half and with all due respect to the people who have worn the Raiders 7 while Josh Hodgson was there, that he might have a little bit more faith in the two halves that are in front of the back line there and he won't necessarily overcall because of what you've said that he's coming into a team that already knows each other. He's the new kid on the block. How long that lasts um, will be another question, but obviously he would hear these sorts of reports. He would have had the conversations with the Brad Arthurs, the the Barretts, the whoever it might be calling the shots, and they would have said, look, we have these concerns, and for them to be so highlighted so clearly to him and the way that he's spoken about his need to integrate with the team and to be part of a team player and just to get them the ball and, and to isolate sort of forwards one-on-one in the attacking 20, I I think there'll be a good opportunity. Um, like you said, I, I think we have a, a good chance of it working well. I, I'm a little bit nervous because Reed Marnie, um, look, if you ask Blue and Gold fans, and maybe this is just, just us talking ourselves out of Reed Marnie after he signed with the Dogs, um, but we were just eternally frustrated with his um, sort of going short crash balls uh, in the in the inside 20 and Hodgson has a little bit about that himself, but I was going to say, I hope hope you're ready for more of it. I hope you're ready for more crash balls than you could ever want in your entire life. But Mm. does he, but that's one of his skills where I don't know if it was one of Reed Marnie's sort of aces that he could pull out. I just, I thought Reed Marnie's long ball, getting it off the deck, getting it wide and fast really quickly. uh, And just sort of being that sort of mongrel in defense was sort of the Reed Marnie element. Whereas Josh Hodgson has a bit more finesse about him than Reed Marnie's game does. Um, that's that's what I'm hoping. Look, and all of these things, it could go one way, it could go the other. Obviously, I'm hoping, uh, and obviously the Parramatta coaching staff and fans, et cetera, are hoping that it goes the way in which George Hodgson and, and Mitch Moses, you know, blend as well as Dylan and Mitch currently do. I'm glad you brought up that stuff about Hodgson close to the line because that actually was a real strength to visit Canberra. I know I just made the fun about him. Loving the crash balls. And he probably did do it a bit too often sometimes, but he was really good at it. And he was especially good with Josh Papali'i. And he was really good at, at, at getting Papali'i one-on-one with a defender. And then if it's one-on-one with a defender, Papali'i probably going to win. So he's coming into a pack that's just filled with big mobile dudes with really great footwork, 
were all real power runners. So he's got Sean Lane, he's got Regan Campbell-Gillard, he's got Ryan Madison, he's got Junior Paulo. I can see him striking up a little bit of a similar combination with some of those guys. And that, to me, will only serve to make Parramatta's attack even more dangerous, especially close to the one. So I do think regardless of what happens with the combination with Moses, Hodgson linking with the forwards close to the line is something that will be really effective. I, I, I think we can count on that one. Just a sidestep on Josh Hodgson for a second. Can either of you explain what happened with Sean Lane last year? He went from borderline meme to one of the best back rows well, in the competition. I, think, I don't understand it. You know how, like, I don't know if you remember this, Mitch, but, like, in 2019, I single-handedly memed Corey Allen into being, like, the best fullback in the world for, like, three weeks. And oh. I think our good friend Edwin Smith, also an Eels fan, basically memed Sean Lane into being good after years of diehard support. If but, anyone uh, sat anywhere near me at, at Combank Stadium, they would hear me just abuse the name Sean Lane on a regular basis. Well, maybe and he that, heard you and thought that he had to prove very me wrong. Tall. I do sit up the back. so. <laughs> um, but he, he, honestly, about six weeks in, I sort of had to just start eating humble pie. And by the end of the season, I was just having it like a buffet. It was unbelievable. It was, the, the, it was funny, insane how good he was. The funny thing with Lane is I think, I know he was a frustrating player, but Lane, to me, even going back to his Bulldogs days, was always someone that had a lot of raw ability. Like you could tell... Like, oh, this guy's big. He and, had and one game early on. on at the Dogs, and I was like, yeah. geez, this guy looks incredible. And he's a good passer, and he can offload yeah. and, and all that sort of thing. But he was Manly's leading try scorer the year we nabbed him. It's yeah. just such a weird... Yeah. Yeah. He's all, so he's always had a bit of footy in him. Um, I remember I did an interview with him. I want to say it was towards the end of 2020, and he was having... He had maybe like six good weeks or something like that. And I asked him about it, and I said, mate, what's the, what's the secret? And he pretty much said, oh, yeah, you know, like... Um, the challenge for me isn't playing well. He goes, I know I can play well. He goes, this happens all the time. I'll have a good month and then I'll just stop concentrating and then things go to shit. And I was like, wow, that's really self-aware of you, Sean. But he's what he's managed to do is he's finally managed to stretch that into a full season. But I guess the challenge for him now, and there's a couple of guys that paraphrase in this challenge, is backing that up. Like proving that that wasn't, that what happened last year isn't the best year of his career. That in fact, it's the new, it's the new normal. So I think, I think he's, he's, I... Somewhat, he's someone who's going to have to, sort of confront that a little bit. And, you know, that's the same, it's the same, I would say for, for, for Dylan Brown and, and even someone like, um, even someone like Campbell Gillard a little bit, they're sort of, they've hit their ceiling now and then they have to stay there. They have to make sure that they're not hitting it and then sort of slipping back down again. I thought he was a bit snubbed actually, not making either origin or the, uh, the kangaroos tour at least, but that's, that's how high I went from, from the lowest of lows yeah. to absolutely just it's, cheering him on. Um, he a- did say that, um, like he's studying psychology, that's what he's doing sort of off the field. And he said just the the mind, which is sort of what you've touched on, uh, the sort of mental element of the game is what he's really been able to get under control and at least what happened in 2022 anyway. Did he borrow Pat Carrigan's psychology book? Is that is that Everything how he's Everything you need to know about psychology is in there. That's why they it call says it psychology, psychology on the cover. Yeah, that's so, right. Yeah, it wouldn't <laughs> say it otherwise. Exactly. Like I would love a photo of Sean Lane posed with a pile of books on, on Bankwest turf. I would like to see season. him in like comically small glasses. Yes, that help him very read. small I feel reading like that glasses. Would be, that would be something that would really help everybody out. I would enjoy that yes, a no, great time. It is weird. Direction. And, and I guess it's it's come at a good time that he's suddenly become one of the better back rowers in the comp, Mitch, because you've, of course, lost arguably the best back rower in the comp, uh, Isaiah Papali'i heading over to the West Tigers. Um, we talked a bit about the Josh Hodson coming in and replacing Reed Marnie. You can't really replace Isaiah Papali'i, can you? 
No, I wouldn't think so. And I would have loved if he's, uh, his form wasn't that great and we can just sort of put it to the side. But that was obviously not the case. He was unbelievable. Um, I remember when he first came over from the Warriors and he was sort of in and out of that Warriors side before we brought him across. And people were like, oh, he looks all right. And it was just, it was really evident early on that we had robbed the Warriors with all due respect <laughs> to my second favourite team. Um but yeah, no, he was he was at the peak of his powers last year, and the Tigers have got themselves a good one. Um, if Josh Hodgson is the sort of all in uh, for Parramatta's signings, and it's sort of all it's going to be absolute riches or complete poverty, um, I think Jermaine Hopgood might be the best bet uh, somewhere in the middle. He will just he will be great injury aside, which is the case for all players. Um, he will be a very very solid option, but I do think he's going to wear that thirteen jersey. Uh, rather than play on the edge, which is what some people thought he was coming across for. Um, yeah. So not to answer your question, I think Jermaine Hopgood will start in the 13. And then we've got this sort of mix of uh, Matt Dory, um, Jack Murchie, who I also think is apparently going to play in the middle. Uh, and apologies that I don't exactly know how to pronounce Jarrah Momasia's surname, but he actually started yesterday over Matt Dory. And Matt Dory had it sealed up for a lot of the preseason, apparently. Um, mm. But late comer. Uh, Gerard actually took the spot yesterday and was pretty average in that trial oh. yesterday, if anyone watched it. Um, so I'm not sure what that does for his chances, but it'll be somewhere between Dory and Gerard, I'd imagine. One of Brad Arthur's real strengths as a coach to me is he's able to bring in sort of low-profile forwards and turn them into real producers. You know what I mean? Like, And he's done that with guys like Sean Lane or like Nathan Brown or even Ryan Madison, or even someone like Makahesi Makatoa, who was in reserve grade for a thousand years, but now has turned into like a reasonably effective prop for Parramatta. So I am excited to see what Arthur can do with Murchie, with Momosia, with Hopgood. I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if we get six weeks into the season and Madison's actually playing on that edge, because we know that Madison wants to play on the edge. He prefers playing on the edge to playing in the middle, even though he's a much, much better middle. And that's where he should always, that's where he should always play. But I, I I don't know like so those names that you rattled off there Momasera I think is is probably more of a prop I've always known him more as like a front rower than as an edge Matt Dury's someone who like had a really decorated junior career definitely but just hasn't had a chance to really kick on yet so if it's not him then all of a sudden you're looking at someone like Bryce Cartwright who I don't think they want to pitch in there full time I think they like him sort of maybe spelling someone or coming off the bench I don't think they want him as their as their starter. So I guess the options just kind of get a little bit thin, which is why it wouldn't surprise me if Madison ends up going out there, not because he's the best option, but just because he's the, the, the best of, uh, the best of some pretty look I don't I'd, say bad options because, you know, I'd be pretty so. sad if that were the outcome, just because I completely agree that Maddo is infinitely better at 13 than he ever has been on the edge for the Eels. Uh, he was, was he wearing 13 at the Tigers in that sort of breakout season? Was he in the middle or on the edge? But... Uh, he, he sort of played all over the place, like played with yeah. a hooker as well. I, but like I his best footy was in the middle, 100%. Like, even yeah, um, I, I'd really like a – maybe even if Hopgood starts there and Hopgood or Maddo sort of comes on onto the edge and then moves into the middle. Just our bench was a real weak spot last year once Reg and Junior went off. And so having that sort of strength of Maddo on the bench – um, I, I'd prefer to have a bit of a no-nonsense Matt Dory is how I would go. Um, I heard good things about Momo, but he had a pretty average outing yesterday. It was not effective, whereas Dory was very, very solid, um, like an 8 out of 10. 
Um, and I thought Murchie could have had a spot there, but apparently he's been playing in the middle too. So I've got a bench rotation of Maddo, Murchie, Momo, and then sort of just one of the other four people that you could throw in there, Ogden, Rodwell, Wiramu, Greg, and maybe Mitch Rain if you wanted back up for Hodgson. So that's sort of how I've got it, how I would play it to start off. But obviously I am um, nothing like Brad Arthur, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's it, it's a, it's really quite tough to get a, a read on what the Eels are going to do this year. I mean, there's there's a world where it goes well again and they're pushing deep into September on another run. But with the guys they've lost and with like the guy, like the depth as well, like I, I know Josh Hodgson's a great signing, but you, you ran through a couple of those other names. None of them really inspire me with a great deal of confidence. I mean, people always talk about teams having grand final hangovers. Sometimes they do. Sometimes it's nonsense. Uh, I mean, what's the worst case scenario for this team this year is I guess my, what I'm asking. The Eels in 2009, where they absolutely fell off a cliff, um, just a complete disaster. So last time we were in a grand final, I'm pretty sure we didn't make the final in 2010. Yeah. Um, so you're either sort of gearing up and going again, like Penrith did uh, for a couple of years, or you sort of, you peak and you drift off sort of down the mountain again, um, or you completely fall off a cliff. And, and that would be an absolute disaster if uh, that was the case. And look, it's it's tough to avoid that if you're coming off key personnel changes in the spine like we have. Um, I'd like to think we're still pretty safe in that sort of middle of the top eight. Um, that's sort of where I had us last year and, and where I'd like us again, maybe a notch lower just because we don't have that build up. But we did get a lot of good answers. We went searching for a lot of answers last year and, and we came up trumps in quite a few of them. Um, look, we've, we've lost Reed, obviously. We've lost Papa and, and look, Murata and um, Oric and Pafusi to some extent too for that depth as well. So I think this is where, and this is how teams like Penrith, and it's hard not to talk about them as sort of the gold standard, how they mm. fill it in. They, they bring in the next sort of set of juniors and, and that's what Para's got to do. You've got to have that sort of conveyor belt of either um, finding the diamonds among the rough, as, as Campo said, or you, you bring in the next junior. So um, hopefully we've got a couple of juniors sitting in the back row too. I've got a, yeah. I've got a take. I've got a take for you. Okay. I'm ready. Take. I'm ready. So I think there's a chance, not a big chance, but I think there's a chance that Dejan Arce ends up being one of the buyers of the season. Yeah, I really wanted to see him. He was he's been really well actually before mm. I go on, what position do you put him in? Well, I think he'll start out as the 14, but I think he could end the year playing in the centers. I think he could end the year playing left center. And I know he didn't get a great run at the Warriors. He only played, mm. I think, the one season there. He went there mid-season from the Cowboys. But I saw him, I just happened to see him in person a few times. And I think he's someone who uh, this might sound crazy, but bear with me. The play he reminds me of is Matt Burton. You know what I mean? He's like a really big, he's a really big dude, but he's got really sharp footwork. He's quicker than you think for a fellow that size. He's got an absolutely monster fucking boot. He can kick mm. the ball a goddamn mile. Really? And I would, I would really like to see him parked up on that left edge with with Sean Lane, with Mitch Moses, with Maker Sebo. Then you've all got you've got size and skill just all around the place. So I don't think he starts the year in the centres, but I think he ends the year there. And if you look at Paris' track record, like I said before, of finding guys, bringing them to the club, and then turning them into stars, it's really, really strong. And I, he's the one I think who could get a little bit of that Brad Arthur, that yeah. Brad Arthur shine. So I know I that's a, I know that's a big has, swing, but that's what the preseason's for. He was a guy who, when he was at the Cowboys, 
Well, so he, he was a guy when he was at the Cowboys, like every preseason, he was like touted as one of their next breakout stars and it never really worked out for him. So well, I mean, still, we know the talent's there. So yeah, yeah exactly. He, he's still very young. Yeah, he's so. still just a kid and he yeah. hasn't really had the chance to settle anywhere or frankly, I don't think the chance to play under really good, under really yeah. good coaching. Oh, yeah. like the cows were struggling when he, when he was up there um, and the Warriors last year, I think he only got there after Nathan Brown got sacked. So it was just an interim coach or anything like that. I don't think he's really been given the chance to flourish, but he's someone I'm really, really excited to see this year. He started games at fullback, centre and 5'8 previously. When you said 14, are you seeing him maybe even playing a bit of a hooking role to sort of spell I think so. I, I think so. I, like, I, I wouldn't want to... I don't think Hodgson's ever really been that effective as an 80-minute hooker. Like, it's something that he can do, but I think he's much better if he's playing about 60, 65 minutes. So even if Arcee has just that come on, spell Hodgson for like 10 minutes and then just stick around in the middle just as a little bit, just as a guy, just to be there. But I, I think he's someone who's going to be really, really effective. I think he starts the year in 14, but ends the season at left centre, and he's awesome. So there you go. That's me. That's the big That's the big swing for the season previews. I that's like that. Huge take. huge take. I love it, obviously. I absolutely love it. But um, yeah, big call. I thought you were going to go all negative on me there, but no, you filled me with hope. So we've talked about a lot of guys, Mitch, but is there anyone we haven't talked about yet that you think is prime for a big year? Uh, one that sort of pundits, sort of Eels junior ranked fans have been watching for a while is a guy called Tony Mattielli. Uh, he looked very good yesterday too. He's 20 uh, this year and uh, he just runs a great line. He was very difficult to pull down yesterday uh, against the Penrith Reserves. Um, and he's been pretty solid in um, New South Wales Cup for a little while. Uh, had a little bit of injury, but sort of um, on the charge now. And um, yeah, I think he might have a bit of a breakout season. So he'd be my tip for the first to debut uh, in the blue and gold for 2023. Mm. Yeah, I, I might be way off on this. Um, uh, I, I, this. I might look very stupid in September, but this is probably, I think, my most out there prediction that I've got in terms of any teams. I have Parramatta finishing in 11th spot. Wow, that is that is quite the plummet. That I, is quite the plummet. I'm not impressed by their signings. They've lost two guys who are among the top, top players at their positions. I thought that... I mean, basically last year I was as good as things could have gone for them from a from a personnel standpoint, from just a gameplay standpoint. And yeah, I just think that they could be one of these teams that just it it, it just all falls apart very quickly with with what's happening in terms of their 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 personnel. And I think the Bowser stuff isn't helping that situation. I know they said that it'll be resolved by the start of the season and, and maybe it will be, maybe it won't be. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I just think that if we're looking at a team that was good last year, that's going to take a step backwards. I hope I'm wrong. I like the Eels. Everyone knows that. They're probably my second favorite team after Souths. But if, if we're looking at a team to take a step back, I think unfortunately that is the team that I would think might do that. That's a really big call, man. I understand why you're saying that because they have lost a couple of real quality guys. And to me, there was a sense last year of mm. that. That to me felt like this group's peak. You know what I mean? Everything sort of came together for them at the right time and everybody was playing well at the right time and they really dug deep when they needed to. But that's a real, that would be a real fall down to 11th because mm. Brad Arthur, Brad Arthur, if nothing else, is an extremely effective coach. Like, He's, they've, made, they've made the finals. They've made the finals five years out of the last six. 
and they've never finished lower in it, when they have made the finals they've never finished lower than six and that's with teams that were very different like with a, a wide variety of attributes and different strengths and different guys i don't think there's that many fellows left from that team in that made the finals in 2017 i don't have it in front of me so i can't look it up but he's shown the ability to sort of keep the squad ticking over and finding what he needs mm. to win to win ball games you know what i mean and i know they yeah. have lost some guys but Moses and Brown is still as good a halves combination as there is, as there is in the NRL. Paulo and Campbell Gillard is as good a front row uh, combination as there as there is in the NRL. I know we all you know have our opinions about Clint Gutherson, but week to week he's still a very effective player. I'm expecting actually going back to Junior Paul. I'm expecting a really big year from him. I know he was enormous last year and played five thousand games. It felt like, but I felt like by the end of the season. By the end of that World Cup campaign with Samoa, he seemed to unlock a sort of different level of his play. And I don't know if it was reflected in the numbers, but it, he just felt to me more effective than he'd ever, ever been. And he was already a really effective player. Yeah. So I understand your reservations with Parramatta Bungard, but I also think that they're a lot more functional and a lot more competent over the last sort of half decade than we probably yeah. I mean, I hope I, 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 I hope I'm wrong. Um, yeah, I've but, got yeah. them. I've got them in fifth, and I've sort of got them in that group who can finish anywhere from probably second or third down. I, yeah. I don't know if they'll be challenging for the premiership again, just because I they have lost two of their better players in in Money and Papali'i. Yeah. But I think they'll be in and amongst it, and I think there's too much talent and too much experience there for them to really bottom. I think. In the way that you're I think that I think that's the core difference, right? Is because. Um, like obviously getting the precise position on a ladder down to an a science is is hard and but it's all about those clusters right and I think the main difference we have here is that you st- you think that they're in that top tier cluster and I think that as a result of the things that have happened in the off season that I'm dropping them down to that second cluster of like sixth to twelfth range which mm. you know your beloved Canberra Raiders the Sharks, a couple of other teams six, that I think six, six to twelve, anything higher, be in, and so anything lower, I get miserable. And I think that there, I think that that's where that's just kind of my read on the situation. Like I, and maybe I'll be wrong, but I, I don't know, Mitch. I'm, I'm sure you disagree. Uh, yeah, I want to. I, I think it all depends very much on the shoulders, but more so the knees of Josh Hodgson. I, I think um, we really could be somewhere in that sort of first to six range depending on how healthy he is but if he's really unhealthy I, I look it could be possible that we drop out of the eight because hookers are so important in the modern game my question just quickly is how many teams have you got that are better than they were in 2022 as in um, you think they're a better side lineup wise i've got two yeah. and two only which is very bizarre i've got the i've got the dogs and the tigers yeah. um and like roosters, you could make a case for, but I feel like they've lost a lot of key personnel. Um, yeah, like roosters probably on the up. Penrith, they lost players in similar positions than us, but obviously they do a much better job of covering them. Um, who else have you got on the up? Uh, well, I think the Bulldogs will be better. I think that the Tigers will be better. Um, yep. but yeah, um, I just can't find ten teams I put in front of Para. No, I, again, like it, it, I, I think it is slightly splitting hairs from everywhere. From ba- I think there's a, I think there's four teams that are very firmly better than everybody else this year, and I think everyone else after that is, I mean, you're, you're just sort of picking between them. So yeah, look, if they finish as high, I, I don't think they'll be in the top four. I'm pretty confident about that. But if they finish fifth or sixth, I'm not going to be shocked. Yeah, sure. Who's your top four, just for 
Uh, you'll have to listen to those previews when they come out. They will be revealed <laughs> as the season previews continue to roll out. Yeah, I mean, well, uh, well, the Pendrith one where I've got them finishing first and the Storm one that I've got them finishing fourth uh, will be up before this one comes up. I'm sure you can guess who second and third are but yeah, based on that information. And the Raiders, funnily enough. Unbelievable. <laughs> All that talk on the Melbourne podcast, that was just a dis- yeah. That was just a misdirect. Yeah. Bungard's yes, pivoting to pro Raiders this year. He always keeps his guessing. You, you, yeah, I, I do. You, you got to, mate. You've got to. Um, but yeah, all right. Um, Mitch, is there any other eels related chat or any Cumberland throw related things you'd like to promote before we uh get out of here? Uh, no, Cumberland throw just keeps rolling on. If you're an eels fan and don't follow us, uh, we that's do bizarre. Life. Yeah, that's truly uh, strange. Uh, and uh, shout out to my as always footy group chat, the Gus Goulds. See you in Magic Round. Oh, absolutely, but not the Reg Reagans, our sworn enemy. Fair enough. No. Uh, thank you as always having me on. Always great to talk uh, Parramatta, particularly with people course, who mate. don't necessarily support Parramatta. So no, that is true. Sort of grind. I like Parramatta, and Nick likes footy, so that's. I sure do. Yeah, not a lot of people know. Not a lot of people know that about me. It's true. It's not your whole personality or anything like that. Um. All right, Mitchell. Say goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. Uh, say goodbye, Campo. See you guys. That's goodbye from me.